The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister. If you're in the area, we would love for you to stop by, check us out on Sunday mornings, or stop by for a seminar, workshop, or just check us out in general. You can go to our website at www.com. CUTemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org to get some more information, to watch, um, you know, on demand videos, or to watch our live stream on Sunday mornings at 10 30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. I think if you do it, you will like it. Check us out. Today, we are continuing the series on the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. I took a week off last week, and I'm ready to go forward and finish this book now without a break. So I did request that everyone who was following along with this series get the book, Discover the Power Within You. Um, they're online versions. They're obviously soft cover books you can purchase. It's not an expensive book. It, it might be free versions out there floating somewhere. I believe somebody put something on my Facebook page at Truth Transforms with uh, Reverend Galen McDowell. Uh, they had an online version of, uh, and they put it on one of the uh, put it on my page as a post. So one way or another, you should be able to get this book. The reason why I'm asking you to get the book as I teach it is because obviously I can't teach every line. And I think that this book is a top five book in New Thought. It doesn't make a difference what brand of New Thought you come from. This is a top five book. If you're not in New Thought, if you're not studying Christian metaphysics, but you're listening to this show, in my opinion, it's a top five book, period. I strongly suggest you get this book. If you're interested in higher consciousness, if you're interested in universal law, if you're under, uh, interested in understanding how the Bible and especially the teachings of Jesus uh, align with what you're hearing as far as metaphysical principles and et cetera, with this show and others, this is the book to get. I can't think of a better uh, representation of how Jesus taught what we would now call new thought or Christian metaphysics. 
So on page 41, the chapter five is from miserable sinners to masters, from miserable sinners to masters. And I really like this title because growing up, that was um, the term miserable sinner was something that I actually remember hearing that, you know, man was inherently sinful and people, you know, are born in sin and going to hell unless they're, you know, dunk sprinkled, except Jesus is the personal savior, et cetera, et cetera. And if you believe that to God be the glory, I'm not here to argue you out of your belief. What I am offering is an alternative to that belief that humanity isn't inherently sinful that we actually are by origin spiritual and good but that doesn't mean that we're always aware of our inherent goodness you know one of the things that mr butterworth talks about in this chapter and we'll deal with later is man or people are what they can become so so the acorn is potentially an oak tree and a human being is a potential manifested Christ. That does that mean that they or any individual will do that? It's not something that just happens on its own. It's the evolution of consciousness. The point that I'm trying to make is this. Jesus said these works I do, you can do an even greater works. But we don't believe that. And one of the things that I'm trying to help uh, present to you is that you don't have to demote yourself to promote Jesus. You don't have to demote yourself to promote Jesus. You couldn't demote Jesus if you tried. Therefore, you don't have to lower yourself to lift him up. He's already lifted up. You need to get up there with him. I need to get up there with him. We need to get up there with him. Up there where? In consciousness. In the state of awareness of being that knows that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that knows that we're spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law, up in the level of consciousness that knows that love is the answer, in the consciousness that can see God in every experience, even when it is being magnificently covered by the density of human ignorance. So, on page 41, Mr. Butterworth states in the second chapter, the central theme of Christianity has been sin and evil. We've heard more about hell than heaven, more about the devil than about God, and though we have been presented the picture of Jesus' mastery, Man has always been pictured as a poor, miserable sinner. There has been a kind of hopelessness in Christianity's attitude toward man. It is as if we were taught that man is a sinner, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all that we have to look forward to is becoming a good sinner. So in other words, before I I get into the other parts of this chapter, I want to drill this down. This concept of of sin because he's going to deal with it from his perspective but I want to just really deal with this the concept of original sin uh, which I believe began with Augustine St. Augustine comes from um, some understandings about and interpretations of the Bible that have to do with the sacrificial scriptures that are in the Bible. I would be lying if I said they weren't in there. They are. That doesn't mean that we have to accept them because they are. And I know for some people that's radical. Uh, But just 
stay with me for a minute. If you decide that you don't agree, then just drop it and keep on moving. The belief in original sin comes from uh, the story of Adam and Eve. According to the story, the serpent, which was later interpreted to be Satan, but that wasn't um, the original understanding of the story, um, tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they did so, sin was born. And the belief is since the first two human beings were, quote, unquote, sin or fail in consciousness and were kicked out of a garden through the act of intercourse and reproduction, that inherent sin of the first two people uh, is continually being passed on to human beings up until this day, which means that that innocent baby that's uh, that you held or is being born right now that's being born in hospitals all over the world or in homes or wherever. The belief is that little innocent baby is inherently sinful and without Jesus as their personal savior is destined to hell. That's the belief. That's the belief. That's the belief that I reject, by the way. Because, it, 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 in my opinion, it, it, it's not logical. One, the the belief is that you have to accept Jesus as the personal Savior and His sacrifice on the cross as um, as taking your place for or humanity's place for our uh, sinful nature. But here's a problem. Well, one. Even if it, we're not even talking about the millions of people who lived before Jesus between somewhere around four to six to four BC to around 30 AD. We're not even talking about that. Let's talk about everybody that's after that. Christianity as a whole, um, um, began as we know in Galilee and Judea, what we, they used to call Palestine. In the first century, it took several centuries before it became the the official religion of Rome, almost 300 years. And then it took centuries for it to spread throughout the majority of Europe and, and in northern Africa and some parts of the Middle East. It was swallowed up by somewhat by some of the Islamic um, once Muhammad came in some of the Middle East. Many of the Christians converted to Islam in Europe. They were still trying to turn Vikings and people like that into Christians well until a couple of uh, centuries ago. We're not talking about for fifteen hundred years. All of the people in in North, Central, and South America who would have never heard of a Jesus, never heard of a Bible, never heard of the Hebrew concept of God, would have never heard of the church. We're not talking about all the people in sub-Saharan Africa who would have never heard or the majority of who would have never heard of a Jesus, would have never heard of the Bible or the Hebrew concept of God or the early church. We're not talking about all the people in China. And, and you know, Russia, areas especially far like Siberia, we're not talking about people in, in excuse me, the Philippine Islands, Indonesia, and Japan, and Okinawan Islands, and, and Australia. We're not talking about people who are living on the North Pole. We're not talking about random islands like Hawaii and Guam and et cetera. So between 30 AD and the 20th century, when the majority of the world was, was um, known by then, how many millions of people would not have even had the opportunity to even acknowledge the concept of Jesus being the savior that you have to accept 
so you don't go to hell. So if if that was God's plan for humanity, then a lot of people will not even have the opportunity to even hear about the plan. Therefore, it's faulty and illogical that God would create a salvation plan that the majority of the world wouldn't have access to. Matter of fact, when Jesus was crucified, 99% of the world wouldn't have had access to. It doesn't make sense. So we have to take a look at our religious allegories. We have to look at our religious myths and study and get the lessons out of them without trying to literalize them. Because through literalizing, through literalization, what we end up doing is we devalue the lesson and we devalue ourselves because we're trying to make our 21st century mind fit in a, at times, especially when we talk talking about the Garden of Eden story, into a 1000 B.C. or older story. It makes no sense. I often tell my classes, everything in humanity evolves. We try to keep religion the same. Technology has evolved. You know, when I first learned how to dial uh, uh, my home phone and my grandmother's phone, it was with a rotary phone. When my daughter's can't understand when when I tell her when I was growing up there was no such thing as the internet. She she finds that unbelievable. She has no concept of TVs without remote controls. Yeah. There's no way that we can have this concept of God that doesn't evolve. But we evolve everything else. Medicine has evolved. They used to put leeches on people to suck poison out or the disease out. People used to think the world was flat, including people in the Bible when they talk about the four winds from the corners of the earth. Our concept of God has to evolve and our concept of ourselves has to evolve because We are not miserable sinners. We are the image and likeness of God. I'm not miserable. I'm not a dirty rag. I'm not inherently sinful. And sin in and of itself means to make mistakes. So, yeah, we all make mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. See, when you call yourself a sinner, you know, it's one thing to Okay, I quote unquote sin. And we may sin a morality thing instead of it being, I missed the mark. And what's somebody else's sin is not is not a sin in somebody else's culture. Not long ago it was in the United States it was okay to marry a young lady that was fourteen or fifteen, etc. Not long ago in the United States. Was it okay to not allow people to vote because of gender or color? Not long ago, in the very country we are in, beliefs were being held about what you can and could not do based upon a variety of things. So people were making their own rules about what is proper and what is not proper, and they were attributing it to God. So what I'm saying to you today is this. You are not what you have experienced and been through. You are who you can express, who you can become. You are who you, you are the truth of God as you, not even in you, as you. Because as he stated before, God is not in you like the raisin is in the bun. God is your true nature. So we're coming up on our first break. I do want to remind you that this show is supported by your donations. 
So make sure you click on the donate button and support Unity Online Radio so they can continue these type of shows to you. So we're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call him with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I am in the midst of a series based upon Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, and we're teaching the chapter from miserable sinners to masters. All right. Now, turning to page 42. Uh, Actually, I'm going to skip over some of that, and I'm going to page 42. Three, because I really want to hit home on the point. The question, what is man, is probably best answered in the most majestic majestic statement of the entire Bible. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. The image is man as God sees him. The likeness is that which must be worked out in man's own mind and made manifest in his body and affairs. It is man's destiny to produce a likeness in the without of the image within himself. This is precisely what Jesus did. So our job is to express or unfold the divine image that we are our true nature, a seed that's placed in the earth, if put into its proper setting, in other words, you put it in fertile soil, will grow and evolve into what it's supposed to be. It comes out to earth, it sees the sunlight, et cetera, et cetera. Our own divine nature, when allowed to express in the proper mindset, in the proper states of consciousness, in the proper ways of thinking, feeling, and believing, evolve, and it allows us to express who we really are. See, Once the seed is in the proper setting, it does what it does. Jesus said the kingdom of of God is like a mustard seed that a man 
planted in the seed. He said it was the smallest of all seeds, which is not factually true. But the point of it is this. A mustard seed is like a wild plant. It's almost like it's almost like a weed. What it does is when it's, it's planted, it, its roots choke out anything that's planted near it. When we allow this kingdom of God consciousness to evolve in our souls, it starts to choke out the beliefs in error, the beliefs in lack, the beliefs in sickness, the beliefs in not enough, the beliefs in we're not sufficient or not good enough or whatever. Because the Christ nature will start to take over. Now, it takes a lot of thinking very human to hold off your true divinity. No other way to say that. We probably just don't realize how much we devalue ourselves on a day-to-day basis just based upon our unconscious thoughts of ourselves that pop up over and over and over and over again. Now, on page 44, the book states, the theologians declared that Jesus was God become man. But Jesus knew that God had already become man when he first breathed the breath of life into his own image, and that image became a living soul. Jesus' idea of himself was not that of a God suddenly becoming man, but of man already God's image becoming like unto God. Did he not pray, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was, which is the gospel of John chapter 17, 5. In other words, allow me to express who I really am. Now, I use the word allow, but it's not asking God for permission to do something that you can't do. What I mean by using the word allow is you're allowing through your willingness and surrendering to your true nature for it to express itself. See, one of the other things about this belief of being separate from God, there being a God in you and a God in me and et cetera, instead of us being individualized expressions of God is we think we go to God to get stuff or we go to God to get permission or we go to God to release something that we believe God has been holding or withholding from us because of our lack of faith lack of understanding, misunderstandings, or or whatever. No. God is. God is. And the isness of God doesn't change. Anything we don't have expressed in our lives is not because God isn't more than willing to express it through us. But we have to open ourselves to the truth of who we are so it can express out. There's nothing put on you. There's only with that which you let out. I hope that really hits home. There's nothing that is put, you know, we pray for the anointing, for instance, in Christian churches, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What you're really doing is letting the anointing out. Even if it's another person praying with you, if it's another person laying their hands on on you, what are they really doing? They're calling forth the divinity that's already there. You feel it as it coming from someone else, but their divinity is acknowledging your divinity. And then, as it is stated, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Name means nature. In Aramaic, in my name means according to my understanding or my method. 
So when you come together in light consciousness, you create a synergy that creates power in the experience. So moving on. Page 44, we see then that the heart and core of Jesus's teachings concern not his divinity, but the divinity of man, the principle of divine sonship. He discovered this principle in general and the divine potential in himself in particular. He demonstrated the Christ spirit in action in his own life, but his ministry was devoted to teaching the universality of the principle. And to helping people rise from their sins to self-mastery. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing. So in other words, he's not saying, he's not saying, and I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes. He wasn't saying, and I'm not saying, that we don't mess up. He's not saying, and I'm not saying, that we don't have failures. He's not saying, and I'm not saying, that we don't sometimes do dumb stuff. We do. But we're not our mistakes. We're not our misconceptions. We're not our dumb uh, decisions. We're spiritual beings. Just as much as the acorn is the potential of the oak tree. It's just that simple. You put an acorn in the proper setting, a oak tree will be manifested. You put your true nature in a mindset, an awareness, a consciousness that allows your spirituality to be cultivated. And what will show up is a powerful spiritual being. This is the way it works. That's how it works. That's just how it works. Make sure, and we'll deal with this when we get to the chapter on prayer, but make sure that you take time out of your schedule for prayer daily. That's putting the seed in the proper soil. Make time to study something that will inspire you and study something that will stretch you daily. I'm not saying hours. I'm just saying do it consistently because when you do that, you're putting the seed of your true nature, your infinite potential, your unrestrained possibilities in a setting that will allow miracles to happen in your life. But you have to have the diligence and the faith to show up as your prayer work, as your meditation work, as your study work. So you can show up as love and as peace and as harmony and integrity in your life and in the lives of others. So when people see you. They see the father. The world is screaming for people to acknowledge who people really are. You don't have to turn on the news and watch it for two minutes without hearing about the ignorance of humanity that shows up as violence. But we say we're all one. How can we be the space that helps change the dominant consciousness of humanity? If we who say we know better won't behold the truth about ourselves or in our brothers or sisters. And I'm not talking about 
biology. I'm talking about the human brotherhood and sisterhood. If we can't behold the Christ in our neighbors, if we can't behold the Christ in our family members, if we can't behold the Christ with the people we live with, if we can't behold the Christ with the people we go to work with, if we can't behold the Christ with the people that are in our church, if we can't behold the Christ and our politicians and and if we can't behold the Christ and even people we disagree with, how can we be a stand for the violence that's happening all over urban America? How can we be a stand for love and peace and sending the consciousness of harmony to places that have discord like the Middle East? Or areas in where people are dealing with starvation and whatever when we have an overabundance of everything that we could ever need. We throw away enough stuff in the United States that could feed countries. But we have to be that space. And if we who know better will not give back to life, who will? Who's going to be the difference maker? See, that was what Jesus was about. People have made Jesus some hippie, uh, softy that that you know, just walked around skipping, saying love, 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 pulling flowers. He radically challenged people to to be the space where transformation could happen. You can't think you can't be the space where transformation happens, thinking that you're a miserable sinner. You have to be able to behold the presence of God when no one else can. You have to behold the presence of God in the midst of the discord. You got to realize that the principle is true for who you even might deem despicable. Well, it's not a principle. See, Part of going from miserable sinners to masses is mastering your perception of yourself and others. Do we all fall? Yes. That is the meaning, again, all those sin and falling short of the glory of God. Yes, that's true. Absolutely. We've all made mistakes, and we all forget. We've all and all have suffered because we forget at times the glory of God in the experience or any experience. We forget the glory of God, so we harm ourselves and others. And it's easy to harm others when we're in defense mode, when we're in protection mode, when we believe that we're separate, when we believe that they are an other, when we believe that we have the right to dictate to others how they should live, how they should act, how they should dress, how they should talk, how they should whatever. See, but when you know who you are, you don't have to do that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. The realization, as stated on page 45, that the Christ is not a person but a principle. Christ is in you as your true nature. Christ is your hope of glory. You, your true nature, is your hope of glory. It is your inner divinity. And if we could teach people that they are inherently divine instead of sinful, maybe we can make a shift, and I believe we can, in the consciousness of humanity. No different than, as we celebrated last week, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream speech, that march on Washington and the civil rights movement in the United States shifted how people dealt with race and color in the United States. That speech still inspires and gives people goosebumps, irrespective of race and age, because it stands on principle. Now, we're getting really close to the last break, so let me remind you also that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Please like it, share it with your friends, post on it. You can send me messages, questions, etc. It's a quick, easy way to get in contact with me. 
And I also want to remind you yet again to please make sure that you go to www.cutemple.org and check out Christ Universal Temple and watch our live stream on 1030 at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transformed. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We are working with the chapter from Miserable Sinners to Masters from the book Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. Now, page 45 uh, has a very powerful sentence. It states, the difference between Jesus and each of us is not one of inherent spiritual capacity, but a difference in the demonstration of it. That's powerful. The difference between Jesus and each of us is not one of inherent spiritual capacity, but a difference in the demonstration of it. So, spiritually, every human being that has ever been born is equal with Jesus. However, the demonstration of that spirituality is a whole nother story. But every person who has ever been born has the exact same inner nature as Jesus but not the same demonstration of it. For some people, that's radical. I get that. Maybe if you're a first-time listener to the show, um, that might scare you to your bones. But just hear me out. Everybody has, as their true nature, the Spirit of God. Every body who has ever been born. Now, the concept of the sin and the evil and all that other stuff comes out of the perceptions of the human belief in separation. So it's not enough for me to be against you. 
you have to be evil because I believe I'm good. Therefore, I can judge you because I believe God is judging you. And since I believe God is judging you and in that judgment comes punishment, then I can punish you as well. So, but we have to realize that everybody has the same inherent spiritual capacity. Not everybody demonstrates it the same. Why do people demonstrate it differently? Soul, consciousness, awareness. Everybody's at different stages for different reasons. And that's uh, something that can just not be answered legitimately other than that's just where an individual soul is at for whatever reason. I can't answer that. I do know this. I never thought even once during my whole childhood about being a minister. Not even one time. And my grandmother was an evangelist and had her own church at one point that never took off. Had prayer meetings in the house every Friday. Every Friday. I know church. My mother went to church. Grandparent mother went to church. I know church. Not one time. But when I was exposed to new thought, something in my soul grabbed it so hard, couldn't let it go. And only then I realized that I understood it and could absorb it and then explain it quickly. I didn't realize that that was something that my soul was expressing. I thought it was normal. What am I saying? When you, for whatever reason, allow this truth to have a little bit of space in your conscious awareness, it'll do it on its own. It'll drive you. It'll make you get up at night and, and pray on a thing and study a thing and not let it go until it blesses you. It'll inspire you. It'll push you. It'll be your conscience that won't allow you to do things that you used to do. That's how it works. See, Being a master means you accept the responsibility of being a master. See, when you're the student or when you don't think that you can do any better because of who you are, your nature, guess what? Then you're not responsible. But when you're when you say I am a master. And I'm the master over my own life because I'm the master of my consciousness. Then you take the responsibility. You know, it reminds me, uh, at, you know, 20 or so years ago when I was studying martial arts with this um, Taoist Kung Fu teacher. I won't say his name on, on online. He's retired now. And before he left China, he was given the responsibility of being the successor to the grandmaster of the system. But with that came the responsibility of making sure that it was taught right. He had to represent his teacher and the system of masters that could be traced back for hundreds of years. He was responsible for the life of the style. In other words, If he didn't teach it right and then select people who could then teach it properly, then it would die with him. Now, you're a master. You've discovered the truth of who you are, just like Jesus. Maybe not at the same level, most likely not at the same level, highly 
uh, it's highly unlikely that you even even understand what that level means yet. But you've accepted that you're a master. That means you have a responsibility to demonstrate your Christ nature. You have the responsibility to be love. You have the responsibility to be peace. You have the responsibility of being harmony. You have the responsibility of being forgiveness. You have the responsibility of seeing God in experiences. You have the responsibility to 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 make choices based upon wisdom and understanding. You have the responsibility to express the provision of God. You have the responsibility to be the example for others to see. You have the responsibility to pass this knowledge on to those who you are responsible for. It sometimes amazes me the amount of people who are in new thought whose children aren't in new thought. I'm just going to put that out there. Take it or leave it. It amazes me. I've been around a new thought a while. I've been to churches. I've been to conferences. I know folks. And I realize every soul is free. And they can make their own choices. But sometimes it just makes you wonder. We are responsible. We are responsible. I am responsible for being the transformation of my space. That's what makes me a master. And as the old Kung Fu masters used to say, the greatest masters produce masters. Masters don't supposed to produce students. They're supposed to produce masters. So if you you know, I put it this way. I used to, when I when when just using an, as an example, someone who I consider a, a, a grandmaster of truth, uh, the founder of Christ Universal Temple and the found, Universal Foundation for Better Living, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. Many of you out there may not know who she is, but let me tell you, for one person, when I showed up at this church in 1993. The roster of people who could speak and carry a church on their own. She had a whole roster of ministers that she could put up at any moment that that were fantastic. It blew me away. Like you're going five, six, seven deep into the roster and still producing excellence. So she was able to reproduce the excellence that she stood for. Now, that's something else to think about. Part of being a master is reproducing excellence. Now, I want to cover one more thing before we close. We only got a couple of minutes. His teaching on the prodigal son on page 53. Most people are familiar about the story, so I'm going to go to page 54. The son and the father in the story are really one person. They represent the wholeness of you or the Christ of you and the present level of performance of you. That is the human and the divine of you. The human consciousness becomes to believe with each that the key to life and living is not in the center, but somewhere out in the whirling circumference. This is the first stage of what eventuates in sickness, failure, unhappiness and inner and outer turmoil. Eventually, he came to himself. Suddenly, after much suffering, he saw his experience for what it was, and he saw himself for what he was. It was as if he was dreaming and he woke up. He said, I will arise and go unto my father. This indicated the firm resolve to return in consciousness to the whole person that he really was. And when he did, when he did, in fact, make this return, he was greatly blessed. The dirty boy was only a boy with dirty hands and face. So Mr. Butterer says, 
regardless of the sinfulness of man, the depravity, the sickness, the weakness, the despair, he can come to himself and at any time find healing because man is a spiritual being. There is no unforgivable sin, no incorrigible criminal. There is no incurable condition. This is the obvious conclusion that we must draw from the parable of the prodigal son and from the principle of the divinity of man that it articulates. Jesus is saying that any man may come to himself and release his innate divinity. This is the goal of everyone in every experience in life. Hard as it may seem to be is an opportunity to take the steps that leads to the glorious possibilities that you are. All of these situations and experiences that you are going through right now are only asking you one question. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And you can only have mastery over it when you can declare, I am the Christ. I am a spiritual being. I am a divine individualization of God. Only when you can salute the divinity within you will it bow. Just like Esau with Jacob. Esau wanted to kill Jacob for the blessing. He wouldn't bow to Jacob, but he was in harmony with Israel. The body or the human experience is Esau. Jacob is the mind, but the spirituality is Israel. The mind, as sharp as you are, it cannot sometimes make the world bend, but it will bow to the spirit. With that, we run out of time. So next week, we're going to cover the amazing B attitudes. Make sure you read the chapter ahead of time, and we're going to work with all eight um, uh Beatitudes. Thank you. God bless you. And I'll be with you next week. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order, through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, 
and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm. 